with Cura, Stories from the Art World, is brought to you by the Cura Art Team, recorded during an unprecedented year and as a celebration of our community. We are fortunate enough to know and work with some of the best in the art sector and are delighted to be sharing their fascinating and inspiring stories with you throughout this series. We hope you enjoy learning more about the wonderful world we work in. Please forgive us for the sound quality. These interviews were recorded at home whilst in lockdown. Molly Siegel is an artist and teacher from Oakland, California, who lives and works in Los Angeles. Her use of watercolor on a slick plastic paper highlights her artistic process and results in powerful paintings that provoke a lasting visceral response for the viewer. Siegel describes her paintings as works that explore fragile connections and limited reserves, both environmentally and emotionally. Siegel's work has appeared in exhibitions throughout the U.S., including Charlie James Gallery, the Museum of Fine Arts Boston, Savitas Marcus, and Northeastern Gallery 360. Her work has also been in publications including Full Bleed, Benison Quarterly, Beautiful Decay, and Lapham's Quarterly. I was immediately drawn to Siegel's work, specifically how she represents the drought in California. She was also one of the wonderful artists featured in L.A. Night and Day at the Lodge. This episode was recorded in Los Angeles. Thank you again for being here. And I guess before we kind of jump into more specific questions, I would just love to hear a little bit about you, what brought you to Los Angeles and kind of how that has influenced your work over time and how it's brought to where, you know, where you are today. Yeah, well, I mean, I grew up in Oakland, California, so I'm sort of a California girl. Um, but uh, I moved from Boston to L.A. in 2014 after grad school. Um, it just seemed like, you know, if I'm going to be on the West Coast and making art, this is the place to be. And it's a great place to be for painters. And my um, my husband uh um, is an animator. So it made sense for him to be here as well. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think that, um, I can be a little bit of a sponge. And so my work really changed when I came to LA because, um, especially coming from Boston, uh, I was really, um, especially kind of blown away by the, um, by the space, that was that, you know, by the space and we were in the middle of this, of this, you know, record breaking drought. And it was just, um, everything was so sort of dry and parched. And I sort of, um, it's just sort of this mix of like LA is this mix of sort of, um, decadence and uninhabitable or something, you know, yeah. like it would sometimes feel, especially then, especially coming directly from Boston, it just sometimes would feel like, I don't know if people are supposed to live in this desert. It seems like this isn't, this isn't for people, you know? Um, uh, but also it was just sort of, um, you know, I was also very inspired by it. Um, and I just sort of loved, uh, or was really 
struck by a lot of the the dryness and um and the the oil fields that sort of like when you drive between um through California that you sort of see on these side roads and stuff and it kind of definitely like the work looks really different from the work that I was doing um in Boston. Yeah, I was I I really noticed that just from looking at your your work the the kind of subjects have have shifted so much um mm. from I I don't I even just looking at your at your site from you know 2012 to kind of now. Um so is that mm-hmm. is that why do you think a lot of it is just kind of moving around and location and seeing seeing different different things and different people and different landscapes? Um, Location is definitely part of it. That work that I think you're looking at from 2012 to like, like 2011 to 2013 or 14 or 15 even was all work that was sort of um, coming out of grad school where I sort of had this kind of explosion a little bit. I mean, I think that all of that work was like, was sort of really backed up in me a little bit and Mm. so I was kind of puking out work which is sort of like this uh sacred place for an artist to be but for me it was like very kind of like like they were it was all stuff that I'd been kind of processing or thinking about for a long time and was now was like sort of coming out and it was a lot about sort of it was a lot about um youth and sort of like the 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 sort of bravery and vulnerability of of teenagers and specifically teenage girls and friendships and sort of the intimacy of those kinds of friendships. So it was sort of stuff that I was processing that I was thinking about, but maybe from experiences that had happened, you know, 10 years before or so Mm. and sort of trying to parse that stuff out. Um, And it was very kind of figure forward. And I think the work that I'm making now is, um, is a lot more of like a, a, a real time response to sort of um, to sort of things and sort of me kind of trying to um, figure stuff out on the page in a way or on the as you know, within these paintings a little bit. So it's sort of more murky, I think, mm-hmm. in some ways. And it's less um, there's less of a. Uh, there's less of a, a thesis for lack of a better word, you know, like, which I think can be, can be okay. Like it's sort of, I'm sort of figuring out stuff with the, with the, with the process as well. And sometimes I don't know why I get really obsessed with something visually like, you know, an oil field. And then, you know, a year into painting them, I realize that, you know, it's about, it's about, you know, finite resources or, you know, it's about compromises that we make for comfort or it's about this, or it's about my grandfather or, you know, like whatever it is, you know, um, if that makes sense, I guess. Yeah. I mean, while, while we're on the, the subject of, of oil fields, um, can you tell us a little bit more about your piece, the plunge that's included in LA night and day? Yeah. Um, well, I mean that I started when I came back to California, I did, I got really, really obsessed with this, um, with this one specific, uh, oil field that's on, 
Oh God, I think it's Route 24. I don't know. It's when you drive from Salinas to Los Angeles, you're on this side highway where um, where James Dean died. Oh, and wow. I grew up in California, but I'd never been on some of these rural roads before. And there's just this oil field that like kind of stretches as far as you can see in either direction. And I just got obsessed with it. And it was, and I think part of it was that a, I, I'd never seen them and it felt like a secret. It felt like I was like driving through some kind of like secret and B, there was something almost whimsical about it. Like it was, um, it was kind of beautiful. They were, uh, uh, it, it reminded me of like this, uh, I don't know, apocalyptic amusement park or something, or like these like dinosaur sized dipping birds. Um, so I started painting those and started really thinking about sort of the relationship that we have to the place that we are and within the context of drought and the idea of finite resources and, um, and the idea of what other kind of finite resources there are, including things like things like housing and sort of in a bigger picture that I'm not sure is totally visual in the plunge, but some of that same work is really about finite sort of emotional resources as well and sort of the way that you can feel really stretched thin, you know, and sort of not have any more to give. Um, and um, yeah, and, and I think also uh, to live in LA and honestly to be an artist in LA is sometimes to feel like you are uh, a villain in the hunger games, <laughs> you know, like, or, you know, like the, it's, it's, it's a wild thing to, uh, to go to a, to go to a show or, you know, I mean, it's not just to be an artist, but just, you know, I mean, there's uh, the, the the wealth disparities that are around in the arts district which is you know adjacent to skid row and yeah you know i mean you're sort of both you know working with uh you know wealthy collectors as you sort of look over a tent city and yeah um and it's hard not to sort of again i'm, I'm a little bit of a sponge and it's just it's just you know you know, I, I can't not notice or consider that or consider, you know, sort of like my place in that a little bit. And so with the plunge, you know, I mean, the plunge, I think, is the first piece where the where the roller coasters sort of started um, being added to. And that in part is just sort of, you know, I want I want to start adding water parks. I want I want more sort of uh, weird, rickety sort of um uh, dystopic decadence in in some of those paintings as as we go along, but it's very much you know a sort of um sort of about about living next to each other somehow I think or about being placed next to each other and like I I'm yeah I don't know if I have much other ways to articulate it yeah no not, I yeah. I mean I think it's they're so um. I know the subject is kind of, it has a feeling of, you know, over overwhelming almost, but they're also really beautiful the way that you <laughs> are kind of painting the shadows and the intricacies yeah. of each one is, is, um, there's something of beauty in that, 
in that too. And I think anyone living in Los Angeles, you know, it's hard not to be a sponge to that as well. Mm-hmm. Like I think you would, um, you know, it'd be hard not to, to take notice to that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and I'm such a sucker for, for beauty. I'm such a sucker for like, uh, um, yeah, yeah. I love, uh, I really, I really want it. You know, I don't know. I just, I just love, um, rendering and just kind of making things beautiful. And sometimes I try to, um, often the things I'm painting aren't super beautiful, but I, um, I really, uh, I don't know. I always want, or my hands want to sort of make things, you know, like, uh, to make things beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I, well, you succeed. (laughs) Um, and are there, are there any unique roles that you see yourself as an artist playing that you, you may not have envisioned when you first started making art? all those years ago? Um, well, I didn't, I think when I started making art all those years ago, I, I, I didn't really know that being an artist was an option. You know, like I, I think that to an extent I, when I was a kid, I sort of thought I would be a waitress who made art on the side. I didn't know much about contemporary art and I didn't know that, that art could be an option, but um, these days I think a lot about like, uh, I don't know. I think a lot about like looking under rocks and sort of the artist as sort of being this person who gets to think and feel and sort of dig around a lot more than people with more, um, you know, uh, concrete sort of professions, I guess, or, you know, like, I mean, I feel like part of our job is to, is to take things in and, and, and feel them and not, you know, um, and so I, I sort of think of what I do as like, you know, um, sit with things for people who maybe don't have time to think with things, to sit with things. Like I don't, I always, I always sort of push back on the idea that, you know, artists suffer more or more, you know, artists suffer more than regular people. But I do think like artists are more interested in suffering. Like artists are more interested in the idea of it. And artists like just want to poke around in places that other people maybe don't want to poke around. Mm. Um, I, uh, I recently saw a show uh, by this artist named Eric Mack and in his, uh, in his, um, artist statement, he said, uh, like, it's not my job to make the world less murky, but it is my job to face it or something. And I, I like that a lot yeah. because, because, um, because I don't always want to say hard things you know like I don't always like I'm not always trying to like if you ask me like what the painting is about I'm like well I think it's about this but maybe it's about that and then I feel like two years from now someone else will tell me what that painting is about a little bit you know like sometimes like it's like sometimes it's my job just to kind of make it and then kind of figure out what it means later or not at all or put it out in the world and let someone else's reaction help inform 
kind of. And I don't want to say that as like a cop out because I, I definitely have intentions and thoughts when I'm when I'm making the work. But I do think for me, at least, if I'm I don't want to start out saying with like making work that's like oil production is bad and homelessness also bad, you know? Yeah. Because <laughs> um, I because I personally I mean, I think that there are a few people who make really amazing political work, um, but I don't think I do. I think yeah. I make work that sort of, um, uh, you know, yeah, I, th- I think I'm sort of serving, if I'm serving at all, I'm serving as sort of a sponge and um, a, a a place where ideas kind of get mixed up and spat out in a little bit of a different, um, in a little bit of a different order. And um, rather than telling someone, or, or even hoping that people will get a specific thing out of it. Yeah. And I am. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had people have much smarter takes on my work than I have. And then I've had people have, you know, like, so it's just sort of, um, I like to start out with like what I definitely I like to start out with an idea or at least a stage for an idea. You know, like I like to, st- I, I always start out with, with some sort of idea and then kind of like let the the process kind of push and pull a little bit. Yeah. And um, yeah. That, that makes sense. And I guess following, following on from that, um, do you, you obviously get your inspiration from landscapes in and around Los Angeles and, and people and, and things and objects, but is there, is there another way that you get your inspiration or is there someone that's influenced you in your practice? Yeah, definitely. Um, um, uh, well, I mean, absolutely. California and drought have been big inspirations. Um, uh, I think, I think a huge inspiration, um, and not, not the grandmother I was telling you about earlier, but, um, I lived with another grant with my, with my dad's mom um, when she had Alzheimer's until she died. Um, And um, she had this really, this really um, beautiful sort of form of it. I mean, you know, it was, it was, it was the hell that dementia is, but, but also um, I would wake up sometimes and she'd be standing at the window, like every morning looking out the window and she would sort of turn to me and she'd be like, isn't this the bluest sky you've ever seen? And for her, like it really was the bluest sky she'd ever seen. And we would, and we, I would take her on walks and she would sort of clutch my arm and like gasp at this flower or just sort of gasp at, you know, anything growing on the street. And, you know, you would take, I would take her to the dentist office and she would be like, oh my gosh, what is that? And I'd be like, well, that's a, you know, it's a office plant. And she's like, what is that? And I was like, it's a magazine rack. But she just looked at everything with such sort of fresh eyes and wonder. And I think that that um, sort of has affected the work a little bit in that I sort of am constantly like stopping and looking yeah. a lot. Um, and then, um, you know, I, I think my, my life was sort of changed by watching a video of Marlene Dumas 
or Damas, I don't actually know how you pronounce it, um, paint while she was talking on the phone. And it just kind of like took some of the preciousness out, like watching her work, especially with water media um, in this like bold, unafraid way. Um, and then these days with, with the work that I'm making, I think a lot about Hieronymus Bosch and sort mm-hmm. of allowing, allowing more um, and sort of like, sort of like being like, well, I don't know. I think you can add that. Like, I don't, I, I think you can add a roller coaster. You know, I think you can add a, a dead whale. Sure. Sure. You know, like mix yeah. the metaphor, go, go whole hog. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know? And yeah. so I sort of think a lot about, about um, Hieronymus Bosch and, you know, I'm a, yeah. I mean, I have a, a bunch of influences. I could, I could go on, um, <laughs> Turner forever. Yeah. You know, for me, I mean, growing up as somebody who didn't really know or understand contemporary art so that like, um, I for a long time sort of felt like, well, you know, a good artist can draw hands really, really well. Um, and that's what art is. And, um, I saw a Mark Bradford retrospective in probably like 2010 or maybe 2011 and, and reading and seeing that work and reading about that work really helped me understand something that maybe I, I intellectually knew, but until that moment kind of didn't know, know, which was that like art is a, is about ideas and art is sort of a visual philosophy and seeing him make these beautiful abstract maps, you know, that were done with, you know, little pieces from his mom's beauty store, you know, like little papers or something and sort of having it, having it, um, I don't know, it, it, it cracked something inside of me that sort of helped me understand that like art is not about drawing hands really well. Yeah. Yeah, no, it isn't. <laughs> Which not everyone needs to know, you know, but I, I do, I think about, yeah, I don't know. I think about, especially when I was in grad school, I sort of saw sort of like two major streams into the contemporary art world. And one of them was sort of the little, the the kids who were like good at drawing and sort of had been like good drawers their whole life and kind of got like, had sort of followed these kind of like paths on the back yeah. to you know, to sort of, to sort of this world, this contemporary art world that isn't about drawing at all. And then the other ones were sort of these people who sort of had found their, their sort of tribe of weirdos in contemporary art and (laughs) were sort of, and it sort of followed that path and were sort of like, well, I don't care, you know, like what it is, you know, like, but, but these are my people. And then we are all sort of mixed up together and it doesn't, I don't think one is, you know, inherently better than the other, but um, but I definitely can kind of recognize another little nerd sketchbook kid when I see one. I'm like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You were also, um, you know, drawing Tupac to make friends in in high school. I, I see you. <laughs> um, or whatever. <laughs> That's great. And actually, talking about about I think you mentioned about um mediums and and watercolor and water, water-based mediums. Um, have you always worked this way or it's such a, I mean, to me from an outsider, it's such a difficult one because it's, it feels like it has very little 
forgiveness, you know, once you, I mean, that's maybe from someone coming from a place of someone that's not experienced in painting with watercolors, but, um, it has that kind of sense of you can't really mess up. (laughs) Um, have you always worked in watercolor? Is there, has it kind of changed over time or? I've always had, I think a, a good touch or a good sort of intuitive sense of watercolor but I also um I work on a plastic based paper oh, wow. called um called Yupo. um and one of the things that happens with a plastic based I mean sort of to go back I guess like one of the reasons why watercolor is known as to be really fickle and uh and unforgiving is because it stains the paper and so because it absorbs into the paper and it stains the paper and then there's no going back. There's yeah. only going forward. And if you go forward too much, then things get muddy and you can never work subtractively. You can only work additively. Um, I don't know if that's a word, but um, you can only work by adding. And then if you add too much, you've, you've, you've ruined it with, um, with this plastic paper, you can, with um all, all the paintings that I do on it, everything sits on the surface. And so one of the things that happens is the the everything is a little brighter. You know, everything is um is more sort of saturated because nothing is absorbing and sort of getting toned down. Um and then the other thing that happens is until I fix it with fixative spray at the very end, I can take a wet paper towel and wipe the whole thing down to nothing. Um And so that was a huge, that allowed me to paint with sort of the, the confidence of a, of a, of a, you know, with, with, with more confidence and more boldness. And I mean, one of the reasons I work on paper is because I, you know, in everyone's studio practice is different and everyone works best under different circumstances. I work best sort of working on two or three paintings at a time while I'm telling myself that no painting is a big deal. None of this is a big deal. It's mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't, you know, none of this, none of this is a big deal. You got other paintings, you'll make different things. It's a lot of me like giving myself permission to make bad paintings because um, as soon as I get attached to a painting, I kind of tighten up yeah. in a way that, um, that doesn't serve the painting. And so then I have to, um, and then once I, once I mess it up again, or once I kind of, and once, once I don't care about it, I paint really well, like I have nothing to lose. And as soon as I get attached to it, I, um, I paint like I have something to lose. And so for me, working on paper really helps that, but also knowing that I can wipe this away at any point sort of gives me that, um, gives, allows me to paint the way that I want to paint and be, fearless in a way that, um, my, uh, my personality doesn't want me to be. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, you know, I go back and forth. Sometimes I'll go back to oils and, um, I sometimes will play with other kinds of papers, but, um, but, uh, you know, working on that plastic paper sort of 
both is more forgiving and less forgiving, you know, like, and I, I find it much more forgiving because I can work subtractively. I can go back in, I can wipe things out. I can move things, but there's, there's sort of an impermanence to the whole thing. You can't layer really, Yeah. you know, you can't like, like once you go back into something, you sort of destroy what came before it. Um, and I mean, for I me, that's my sort of, worst, that's my worst nightmare for me. <laughs> I can't imagine. I'm such a perfectionist. I can't imagine yeah. kind of it, it, even thinking about it gives me anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas it's sort of, it's sort of, it's, I find it very sort of, uh, comforting or something like sort of the impermanence and the fragility. I think both kind of make sense with the subject matter, but also, um, I, yeah, I, I sort of try to, I, it's, it's, I find it sort of helpful, but, but I, I fully hear you. And I think, (laughs) I think I've come to love it because, um, because if given the opportunity sort of, I will be a perfectionist and I will, I will go into details that don't always serve, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think, I think I use this paper as a way to kind of check myself a little bit and, and not get lost in sort of areas that, that don't serve a little bit. And like, and it allows, and it also just does beautiful things on the page, you know? And it, um, but, um, no, but, but it, it, it's really amazing. And I love that about water media, especially on this surface is that, you know, I've got a couple paintings that I've been working on and off for, for years that I could still take to with a rag and wipe them back down to paper, you know? Wow. Um, so like so the watercolor on the paper will just sit there, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I found that really, really freeing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I can completely appreciate that. That's really interesting. Um, and, oh, oh, sorry. Go for it. I just want to say one other thing about watercolor and then I'll yeah. stop. But um, it, also it just, it works for you. Like, like no other medium works as hard for you as water media, you know, like in terms of letting it, letting it do its own thing, you know, sort of like, I sometimes feel like I'm more of like a conductor than I, or like, I'm sort of like conducting chaos as opposed every time I go back to oils, I'm just like, you're just going to sit there and not move at all. You're not, you're not going to move around the page at all. You're just gonna, just gonna sit and make me do everything, you know? And so um, that's another thing I really love is that you can often see, the process, you know, in the painting, which, and you can, and the, and I, I always want to leave room for the paint to be paint, I think. And I think watercolor is a really pure version of like allowing the paint to be paint with very little in between. Mm, that's a really um, interesting way to think about it. I never, I never have thought about it like that before. Just actually going back to kind of this idea of the artist studio, um, cause I think so, you know, it can be defined in, in many different ways. Um, can you kind of describe what your, your studio is like and, and maybe how it's changed during, you know, the time right now of, of isolation and where you're working currently? Yeah. Um, well, I have a studio in the arts district in LA, in downtown LA, and I share it with four other artists. So it's sort of a, I have about, you know, 300 square feet to myself. And so that's a, it's a larger space that's partitioned off. 
Um, and I have a window with an amazing view of um, a produce, uh, like the, the a, a produce, um, I don't know, I think it's like depot sort of. So um, I've, I've always been the kind of artist who said that like I didn't need a window, I just needed more walls. And I think that's in part because I never had a window. And, <laughs> a window. and I'm just obsessed with this dumpster outside of my window that's always full of oranges. And um uh, yeah, so it's in a big, uh, it's in a big building and the bottom is a door factory. And then there's, you know, a bunch of sort of small creative businesses on the um, other four or five floors. Um, but that being said, uh, these days, well, two of my studio mates have, have left sort of, um, uh, um, and everyone is sort of scattered. Um, I think maybe technically I could go there, but I haven't been the last time I was in the water wasn't running. And I think it was just for a weird couple of hours, but it was enough that I was like, I'm not, I'm not, I can work from home for a little bit. Um, so, you know, it's a, um, everything is in flux right now. Like, I don't know what my studio space will sort of look like or you know like technically we're supposed to be renting out our fourth space because one person was leaving and it's just I I guess I could show it to people but I don't I just don't know what the future holds right now and so um things are feeling very very in flux um and I'm not sure really what the future of that space is um And then I've got a folding table in my living room. And one of the really great things about watercolor is that you can do small stuff. So I've got, um, I've got some small stuff there, but I am sort of thinking of at least running back to the studio because, um, because I, and to pick up some more, some more materials and, and bring back. And I left, I left, I was working on a commission. Um, and I think it's just too big. It's, it's not that big. It's like maybe six or seven feet by three feet. Um, and it's just a little too big, I think, for the living room. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it's a, it's definitely a, a time of flux and I think it's going to look different when things come back. Yeah. But, um, uh, but I'm, uh, and I, you know, with, with, I've just gotten back into sort of painting, I would say, in the last couple of days. I um, have been sort of doing other things. I spent the first week kind of doing busy computer work and sort of some tax stuff and stuff just because I was like, oh, well, I'm home. I'll get this stuff out of the way. Um, and then last week, my... Uh, my grandmother died, so I was sort of just doing a lot of family stuff and kind of, um, you know, uh, kind of a lot of organizing and, you know, my mind was just kind of there. So yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, to doing some paintings and um, was hoping to maybe do some like FaceTime portraits, sort of like doing oh, two wow. for where I'm sort of painting people while I'm catching up with them. But um, I think like a lot of people, I'm also it's both been a strange and lonely time and also 
Um, I think a lot of people are at this point reaching some kind of uh, FaceTime over or getting a little too much of that particular kind of socializing. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so we'll sort of see how that works out and, and what's, what ends up happening. So. That sounds like such a great project for this time yeah. though, I think. Yeah, I think, I think it could be, I think it could be nice. I think, yeah. So I, I, that's something that I'm hoping to start up this week is sort of. What's um, the view out of your window now when you paint? <laughs> oh, um, it's, it's technically prettier. You know, I live on a, I, I've, uh, our apartment faces the street, but we've got these nice big windows. Um, and uh, I can see I've got two plants um, we're really lucky because we've got this little balcony and I just, I just bought these two, these two plants and I have whatever the opposite of a green thumb is. And one of them is doing amazing. Um, and one of them is dying. And so I'm sort of going back and forth between trying to figure out why, why the sage is dying. And the other thing is, is, is doing great. Um, yeah, but you know, so we, I get to look out of my little balcony and I'm sort of starting to see the patterns here, you know, a little Mm -hmm. bit that I, that I started to see with, um, with the, with the, the dumpster full of oranges, you know, where I sort of started to like take time by being like, Oh, they took away the dumpster or, Oh, like it's got the oranges look especially rotten. And so I'm sort of starting to get a little bit of a feel of that here. Um, and, uh, I think that there's a, there's a palm tree that doesn't, it's, it's a silly tree. It's like, uh, it's a palm tree, but, um, there's no fronds. It looks like somebody just cut off the top of it. Um, that's directly across from me. And I feel like maybe some crows have a nest up there. So sometimes I'll watch them and see what they're doing. They might not have a nest. They might just be really loud and hang out there. But I spent a lot of time looking at that, um, sort of dumb tree without any leaves on it. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I, I now for some kind of more Los Angeles, um, based questions for me at what makes LA so special to me is kind of all the small businesses and, and fun little, um, you know, quote unquote secrets, um, that make it so unique and special. And just from you living here all these years, do you kind of, what are your favorite hidden places or restaurants, or if you have a favorite, um, museum or gallery that you like to go to? Yeah. I mean, I don't know how hidden a lot of my favorite galleries or museums are, but I do think that like growing up in the Bay area, I was sort of like raised to, to believe there's a very one-sided um, uh, um, grudge that the Bay area has to LA that LA does not seem to uh, care one way or the other about. Yeah. <laughs> so I was sort of raised to, to sort of think of LA as being kind of like, beautiful on the outside and sort of vapid on the inside. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the things about being here has really been like realizing that my experience of LA a lot of times is like sort of the opposite where you like open this like ugly funky door in a strip mall and you open it up and there's like a magic factory in there and it's like a sound strange and there's like fairies and it's just sort of like it's the exact opposite and it's sort of a lot of these like weird little secret places that you open up and are 
and our magic in some ways. Um, I was thinking about this and sometimes it's hard. Like, I was like, Oh, where, where do I go? What do I do? And one of, one of the dumber ones that I thought about that, that might not be, that might not really count. But, uh, one of the things I always do when I, when people visit LA is, uh, I take them to the fries electronics in Burbank, um, <laughs> which is, uh, which, you know, it, I don't even know if it counts as a small business, but it's, um, it's alien movie or it's like, uh, it's like, yeah, it's like alien movie themed. And I, when we, um, we just went there once for like chords or something. And there's like a, um, there's, there's all of these bizarro sets in there. I don't know if you've been there. No, but now I want to (laughs) go. There's, um, well, like there's like a flying saucer that's crashing into it. And then you go inside and over the washing machines are like these 30 or 40 foot props of gigantic red ants, like color ants from outer space. And, um, and, and they're just, hovering above the washing machines and then you go and look at the computers and out of the wall is this um is this octopus that like uh that like like the the tentacles are like what the computers are on and it's just the the most bizarre thing because the people who work there and most of the people who go there it's just another day you know and it's like um, it's just the weirdest place I've ever been. And I've always sort of joked that I was going to, if we have, if I have kids, I'll, I'll try to convince them that that's Disneyland until they know better. <laughs> um, uh, cause it's just filled with like weird old movie sets of oh like monster God. movies. From I the can't 50s. wait to go. That's such a um, good one. And it's, it's just fully bizarre. Um, <laughs> well, it does feel like a city of secrets. Like it does feel like there is no real, there, there's, there's not, yeah, but like the coolest things I've seen have been things that I wasn't expecting and sort of didn't know about until, until somebody told me about. Yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah. Um, um yeah. well, and I guess kind of one of my, my last question I would love to ask you is, um, if you could own any work of art from any time period, irrespective of cost and location, what would it be? I know it's tough. Uh, like I would take any Alice Neal painting, you know, I mean, for the most part, I kind of think I would, um, like when I think about the things that I want, most of it are actually, uh, contemporary artists Mm -hmm. that I would actually want to live with. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I have a bunch of artists I could name whose work I would love. Um, but, um, I don't, I, I, I can't, there's not one. Well, there's like a, um, I saw that London calling show a couple of years ago at the hammer mm-hmm. and there was a piece by, um, what was his name? Um, uh, Michael Andrews, who I wasn't even familiar with, but he, it's this piece of this, this, this man and a little kid and they're, uh, and they're floating in black water. Um, and it's both like kind of beautiful and sweet, but it's also a little, um, a little unsettling. Um, 
in a way. And he also had a few of these like beautiful kind of abstractions with just like these little tiny people in the corner, which I'm just a sucker for forever. Um, so possibly a Michael Andrews. Um, I would more than happily live with uh, a Turner. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone um, would <laughs> turn down yeah, a Turner. <laughs> Um, Dana Schutz has this piece called, uh, what is it? Crying, smoking, swimming or something that I love. That's, uh, it's sort of what it sounds like. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I don't know. I I don't have like one great, great answer for that. Um, well, those are all, all great and varied, which is, I am, I think kind of fun. Um, definitely some variations. Yeah. 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 Um, and then I have a lot of friends whose work I would love and friends whose work I have who I love. Um, uh, yeah. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. This was just so wonderful. And thank you. Thank you for, for being here today. Thank you for having me. This was really, this was great. And I'm very, um, I'm really excited. Yeah. It's, it's been really good. Wonderful. And it's nice to have some some brightness, you know. I appreciate what you all are doing because it's uh, it's great to have some uh, some some brightness in these in these days. Definitely, I think we all all need a little bit of that um, at the moment, and art and artists are are a great way to to provide that. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter at curaart.com and see you next week for another call with Kira.